podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Laura Bradburn and I am joined. It's a it's a two man team today, Tony. Just by yeah. yourself, Tony Haggerty. How you doing? I'm very well. Yourself? I'm not too bad. The perils of our other regular contributor being a playwright is that sometimes he goes off and writes plays and has to rehearse mm. them, so he can't join us today, unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, I'm lots, sure it'll lots, be worth it. Lots of commenters are playing that. Where's Wally game? Saying where's Jim? <laughs> where's Jim? <laughs> Uh, well, if you get if you do get a chance to go and see Bendley better, make sure you do because he's putting a lot of work in from from what I hear, and uh, I'm sure it'll be worth it. But while we wait on seeing the outcome of that, Tony, we have Celtic to discuss for an hour. What a better way to spend our mid Friday than just <laughs> chatting Celtic for an hour? Um, and yeah, you might have been you might have been aware this week on Axom and throughout the next few weeks, we will be doing uh, in the absence of any current day football, we'll be looking over some of our most famous campaigns of the last, uh, well, few years or Celtic history in general. And Tony, I had the privilege of uh, picking a a campaign Mm -hmm. to look at, a European campaign. I don't think you uh, need guess what one I picked, can you? Why don't you tell the lovely listeners what one we're going over today? You picked 2012-2013, Laura. Yes. Celtic did something incredible during that Champions League campaign. I Barcelona. Am I right? Uh, we we are right. Tony Watt, Tony Watt, Tony Watt. All of that stuff. We'll get into that. Your favourite fact... Celtic match is that right? Or the atmosphere certainly. You you've said my that my yeah. favourite ever Celtic match. I do have a story to share about why it might not have been the greatest atmosphere I've ever been at. Because, oh, okay. but we'll get into that. We'll get into that. But actually, Tony, and we were talking about it before we came on air, although that's the one match obviously everybody remembers that campaign for, there's plenty of other talking points throughout the campaign when you actually go and go back and look at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spartak Moscow games as well. First, yep. first Champions League win on away soil. Samaras header, Gary Hooper. Remember those Remember those players? Yes, indeed. James Forrest goal and, and the celebrations. But yeah, I remember that, that campaign was... Pretty glorious, wasn't it? Till we got to Juventus in the knockout stages and Big F.A. pulled the wool over the manager's eyes and told him he was fit to play after flying thousands of miles from the was it the African Cup of Nations he was playing in, wasn't it, I think? Yes, yeah, playing for his native Nigeria in the African Cup of Nations, yeah. stepped off a plane and straight into the the road of the, the Juventus attack, which nobody wants <laughs> to find themselves in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was all going swimmingly well up until they played the Italians, of course. But yeah, yes, we'll, we'll have a look. At, we'll have a look at that later on. But just to cover it for if anybody doesn't know, uh, that season was actually the first time we qualified for the group stages in four years, which has also got a kind of a kinship to what we'll find ourselves in next uh, season. I believe 2017-18 was the last time we qualified for the group stage uh, before now, so it's slightly longer. Uh, 
going into 2022-23 that will be five years since we last qualified, but it was four at that time. Um, beat two Scandinavian teams, Helsinki and uh, Helsingborgs, to get into the group stage. And Tony ended up with the, what I can only call the most Celtic Champions League group of all time. And that, I don't know about you, but I get this feeling, and this is like such a first world problem to have, but it seems like when we get into Europe, we end up with the same teams over and over and over. So we had Barcelona, Benfica and Spartak Moscow all teams we've played numerous times in the in the past few years. I guess I wanted to ask is I do I do get a bit frustrated and again I, I appreciate this is like a privileged problem to have, but sometimes I think to myself, oh I would I would love a Real Madrid or a Borussia Dortmund or a, just to mix things up a bit. What do you make of the fact that we keep seeming to come up against these same teams over and over? Well we got PSG and we got Barcelona under <laughs> <laughs> I'm always of the opinion when you're in the Champions League group stages, you take what you get. Yep. You're in with the big boys and you you try and make a fist of it as much as you can. And I think Ange will be saying the same. doesn't matter who Celtic get in the Champions League group stages now. The the great thing is that we're there. But mm-hmm. you listen to the manager and you listen to the players. It's not enough to be there. I want Celtic to compete. You know, you're still talking about somebody who's never really getting over, got over Seville. You know, mm-hmm. so I, yeah, I want I want a, a European redemption shot somewhere in my lifetime, some at some point, you know, and I just want Celtic to compete in Europe because I think it's where they belong. I don't just want to go in and, and make up the numbers. And I think Angie's the players are, are, are all feeling the same way and singing from the same hymn sheet. So I look at the Champions League group stages just now and I see the calibre of teams in it. And, I, you know, you just look and you see Celtic's name there. You love it, yeah. The odds are heavily mm-hmm. stacked against you, financial wise, and the players that all these clubs can bring in. But you've got to be in it to make any kind of impact. And I think Angie's certainly getting the team up uh, for a battle and a fight, and to hopefully give some of the big guns a bloody nose. Yes, uh, and I certainly hope that's the case. We started off solid back in two thousand and twelve, thirteen. Um, in a way that I wouldn't be against us starting in the next campaign. A nil-nil at Celtic Park against Benfica. Uh, interestingly, starting up with uh, up front with our greatest number seven of all time, Miku, up front for us. Um, and, and a few other players, Forster in goal, obviously Adam Matthews and Lustig in the wing-back positions. We all know the team because it was pretty much the team that went on to beat Barcelona. But not an easy Benfica team, Tony, to come up against had... Um, Cardozo up front, who was always a thorn in our side whenever we, we went up against him, and uh, Pablo Aymar in the midfield. So certainly some gifted players there in the Benfica team and, and not a not a gimme by any stretch of the imagination. I always liked Cardozo. I always thought Cardozo had the look of a Celtic player about him and whenever he played against us and he scored, I always thought could you entice him to, to Celtic, but uh, clearly not. But uh, he was one that I always really liked watching. Aymar as well. You know, you, you admire good players and good football teams. You know, you, that's the other beauty about the Champions League. You're watching the best technicians in world football play. Oh, yeah. Up up close. You know, and whilst uh, PSG coming to Celtic Park a few years ago and beating you 5-0 wasn't great, Barcelona beating you 7 nothing wasn't great, you had to stand back at some point and say, I admire it, but I, I want to... I want to more than admire it. I want to compete. You know, it's not enjoyable. But there are things where you just have to... Have. I mean, I think Cavani scored a header at Celtic Park that defied belief in that PSG game. Mm-hmm. You know, like, wow. Well, you know, top players do top things. But going back to 2012-13, Celtic were competing. That's what you want. You know, you're competing against a, a, a fairly good Benfica side. And in Barcelona, you were thinking, we'll take what we get against Barcelona if we get anything. And uh, in the Spartak Moscow games, you, you you won both. So it it wasn't it was a group that you looked at and you thought we could finish second. No, in the past few years, whenever Celtic have entered Champions League groups, you've thought try and finish third, enter a, enter into the Europa League. I don't want that mentality. I want Celtic to fin- try and finish second. I want to get through the knockout phase. I, I I don't care who we get. I just want to make a fist of it, and I and I feel that. Ange Postacoglu wants to do that as well. And uh, they certainly did that in 2012-13. 
Ik heb een stadstad in Barcelona camp nu, as you call it, because you usually admit to me off here, you're a football snob. <laughs> or the new camp for, for guys like myself. Uh, but yeah, so I, I would take, I would love to get another, uh, I'd love to have another uh, Champions League campaign like 2012-13 and really have a, uh, you know me, yeah, have a rip at these competitions. You know, mm-hmm. people tell you you shouldn't be there, but you're there on merit. And I think now Ange wants to play the kind of football that can yield results in Europe. Yeah. Europe was a step too far this season for Ange and Celtic. I thought, certainly the Champions League, Europa League, remember we still got nine points against Mm -hmm. a pretty tough group. You know, you won won home and away against the Hungarians. You beat the Spaniards at home as well. And and you were unlucky in both Spain and uh, Germany. So there was small shoots there. Of recovery, I thought, okay, and nothing will convince me otherwise that Celtic were interested in Europa Conference League. I could be wrong, but I think by then he had his eyes in the big prize, which is winning the title and the automatic entry into the Champions League. I could be wrong in that, but they were poor against Bordeaux Glimp, you have to say. Yeah, yeah. I think I think um I think the word we always talk about, um, where Celtic are concerned, certainly in my lifetime, uh, looking at the European performances naivety, it's it's you know, sometimes my brother and I will be sitting watching a game that doesn't involve Celtic and, uh, you know, a team will score a goal and then immediately concede one straight after or something like that and we'll go, oh, that sounds like, that seems like something Celtic would do in Europe, that kind of thing. And uh, it, does, it has happened a few times. But as uh, Pete McGee says on YouTube, thanks everybody for commenting, so have to stand back in awe and watch the Messi's, the Piros, etc. That's what makes football the beautiful game. And I have to say, Tony... It's being a Celtic supporter that's allowed me to to be in the stadium watching Kaká, Pirlo, Messi, players that you know generational talents that you you know you'll be able to tell your kids and grandkids you've watched. And that's the beauty of the Champions League—you get to see these guys at close quarters because Celtic are there, and you love Celtic putting their wits against them. And sometimes you do miraculous and extraordinary things, which is what happened that night against Barcelona. You look at mm. both of those teams, Celtic teams shouldn't be in the same path as Barcelona, but they were. And yep. nobody gave them a chance, except Neil Lennon said, I think at the time, the guys in the dressing room thought they could do it because of the way they'd ran them close in the camp now, get that right, uh, <laughs> some weeks before. And they were unlucky because they, they lost what a 94th minute winner by Jordi Alba. Mm-hmm. I remember that vividly because my father sank to his knees and nearly cried. It was very demonstrative at the time. Oh, one of those, one of those real pain, painful uh, defeats. I took it really badly, and I, uh, you know, so the Champions League nights are magnificent. They're wonderful. You just you, you cannot begin to describe what it does to footballers. Uh, a Champions League night, just that music and. It does it to the supporters as well. Tommy Burns was right. Seeing a Champions League night, and you look around and you hear the music, you're, you're, not, you're, you're not playing for a community, you're playing for a cause. And that cause comes together on those nights. You just hear that music. There's, a, there's that two minutes with the Zadox, the priest, is playing. That's the Champions League theme to you and I. And it's bedlam. It's utter bedlam. The, the, the crowd do, you, do, you know, do you know something, Tony, That you, now that you mention that? I've noticed, and I don't know if this is the the bias in me coming out or the football football snob as we talked about, but <laughs> I always remember watching. Uh, I was sitting at home watching the Celtic Man City game. Yeah. Uh, when we had them in the Champions League, uh, one of the years Brendan Rodgers was in charge, and Ilkay Gundogan, I'll never forget it. If you ever get a chance to go back and watch it, he is looking around in complete awe. Another one that I remember is Rio Ferdinand when we played Manchester United, looking around going, I'm, I'm having a bit of this. I don't know another club that makes the roar and the noise when that, that Champions League logo is fluttering in the middle of the park and the theme's going on. I don't know another club that does that. And it, it really seems to fire up our players and get into the heads of the opposition. Because you're, you're probably blissfully unaware of other clubs because you're, you're dead. Your dedication, your devotion to your own club is so, you know, I, I've said to people before, Celtic Park's a wonderful theatre when the Hoop yeah. supporters are in full cry, right? They're, 
when that music plays, there's a rawness to it, right? It's just pure passion and devotion. And it is here's in the back of the next stuff. And the testimony on litany of players that have said it themselves, you only need to go back, you know, Eto, Messi, Maldini, all these guys, Buffon, you know, Ronaldo himself, you know, Alex Ferguson's even commented on it, you know. I, I said that, that for that two minutes and that music's playing and you're in the Champions League and you're about to kick off in the best club tournament in the world. It's a, I've written it down. It, it's a primal scream. It really is. It's, it's tribalistic. You know, it's, it's really hard to define and put your finger on it and describe, but it's just that, that wall of noise. It's mm. it's just it's spiritually uplifting. It's, it's I don't know, it's mystical, really. You know, and players... Players look at that and they think, wow, that is, it's, it's something else. But it's even better when you marry that, when the fans perform off the field and it's married on the part with the players performing on the field and getting mm-hmm. your results like Barcelona, the 120. I mean, they, they just, you talk about, you know, things out with your knowledge. and your, The stars aligned that night. They really did. Oh, yeah. You know, from the TIFO, which was absolutely magnificent, the 125th year, the Celtic Cross, and all that. I mean, that was just a cause working mm. in unison, as Tommy Byrne said, a cause. The cause of Celtic Football Club that night. That's why they won. The fans pushed them over the line. You know, they were playing against a team who were just wonderfully talented. You know, but now and again, you know, they they you know they have off days and things fall into place. Fraser Foster was magnificent, Miku never touched the ball. You know what I mean? Uh, Mascherano makes a mistake and a, a young Tony Watt runs through and, and scores as if he's playing down his local park. Never even yeah. thought about the enormity of what he was about, he was about to do. You know, and, and, and even then, you go 2 nil up, there was, I don't know how long there was left, it wasn't long, and you still think, we'll be doing well to get a draw here. Mm-hmm. No, that's the way you fit, and it, 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 it's just one of those. It's a, and and that was us going two 0 up. By the way, that yeah, wasn't even two one. And yeah. you're saying, "I we're lucky to get a draw." And when Messi scored, like in the dying embers, you're still thinking, "If we hold on for a draw, we're doing all right." You know what I mean? And yeah, yeah. It's, it's an unbelievable tournament. It really is, and it's where you want to be, which is why it was so important for Celtic to win this title, and obviously get the embarrassment of riches that come with it. The, the forty million pounds, which fluctuates every day, depending on who you read and who you listen to. But you know, it's it, you, you. Celtic's name is synonymous in Europe, you know. But and that's that's owing to past glories. But Ange Postecoglou is the same. Create your own legends, create your own glory. And I think he, he fancies a crack at it. Yeah, and I think uh, I think uh, Pedro Mick on. Uh... Or sorry, Ian on YouTube agrees with Pedro Mick and with you, Tony. I agree. The notion of settling for third is wrong. Chances you do that and miss your out completely. Aim for first, win your home games because we should and won't be aiming for third. But mm. one way in which we can definitely get that second place and get through to the last 16 is winning away from home, which we haven't been very good at, but we did do it in this group. Yeah. We won 3-2 against Spartak Moscow That's in the first away game of the tie. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. looking at that game, Tony... I mean, we left it late. It was a Samaras goal in, I think, the 90th minute or something there or thereabouts. It was another kind of very much reminiscent of... I remember when we scored against Lazio in Rome, it was very reminiscent of that kind of time. We had the aid of a sending off with Spartak Moscow um, and we were obviously playing against former Celtic Aidan McGeady in that team. But looking at that game, Tony, and looking at our, our, our record in Europe away from home and how important that is to his next season, what... What do you think it is we need to change about the approach in order for us to, to improve that side? Because it's undoubted that we're going to need that if we're going to think qualifying from the group is going to be a realistic target for us. What did we do that night in Moscow, Laura? We attacked. Yes. We scored three goals for a start. You know, and you you spoke about earlier about your, you and your brother watching games. When Celtic traditionally lost goals in Europe, I'm talking about recently, Used to, they used to lose them in clumps, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Like one and two within a short period of time. Yeah. Or, or even three in a short period of time, giving themselves no chance to recover and win a football match. Whereas that night, they, they recover from 2-1 down. 
James Forrest scored and then Samara scored after a wonderful attacking goal from Hooper. I can still see it now. The crossing, I think, was realistic, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And he the near post run and the finish. You know, and, and I think you look at our, our current manager, those are the kind of goals that he would love to see. Mm-hmm. That getting to the byline, you know, across to the, the near post and, and your centre forward or your attacker putting it in. And we saw a glimpse of that the night against Bayer Leverkusen. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember the goal that Jota scored to put 2 1 up. Yes, yeah, and exactly. Definition of Ange ball, that's it, right? The shell ball from Joe Hart to Forrest. Mm-hmm. The back heel controlled pass to Turnbull. Shunts it to Beaton. Beaton gives it to Kyogo. He gives it to Jota. Bang, it's in the net. From back to front, blinking of an eye, Celtic go 2 1 up in Germany. Granted, they never held out, but it's moments like that that I'm thinking, see when he gets all the players that he wants and the guys are comfortable playing this system, I think Celtic can and will be able to compete in Europe. And I think the manager knows that because they got nine points from a really tough group. Mm-hmm. And and this is a team in transition and rebuild and arguably weren't ready for Europe, but they still scored five over two games in Germany and Spain against top La Liga and Bundesliga teams. So mm-hmm. that gives me hope that they can transition to this Champions League tournament coming in because they'll have better players and they'll have a full summer to recover and you know, and they will not have to negotiate the qualifiers. You're straight in competitive football, you'll be up and running, you know, and, and, and the the odds are now stacked in Celtic's favour to actually do something and be competitive in this Champions League. And I'm not even saying uh, aim for second place in the group, aim for first indeed. Even for yep. first to win your home games like Martin O'Neill's team did, still never qualified, nine points. You know, they've had horrendous luck as well, Celtic. Do you know, how often does that happen, by the way? I can't, I can't imagine it happens very often that you get nine points and you don't qualify. First time they went in, nine points. And also, I think, Bobo's handball and Leon as well, remember that? Mm-hmm. And, and, and they exited the tournament, losing 3-2 and Leon after coming back from a deficit. You know, so... Uh, I just think they're due a bit of luck as well at some point in the Champions League. That might come with a draw or whatever, but I don't know about you. I genuinely don't care who we get. I'm just so excited about where this team under this manager can take us. Do you know, the only time I'll care about it is when I'm sitting on that Friday afternoon uh, watching the draw and seeing who comes out of the pot. After that, I know I'll just be looking forward to it. But Paul Byrne on YouTube says, just looking at the away talk that we've been talking about, I think the experience in Europe this season shows we can win away and the players believe yeah. they can do this. With a strengthened squad, this will change our fortunes in the Champions League. I certainly hope it does. Before we got on to talking about the big game against Barcelona at Celtic Park, we did have to go to the Camp Nou and face them, Tony. And yet again... One of those situations where, just like the the David Marshall game back in the early two thousands, yeah. we gave them a good going for their their money on their own patch there, didn't we? We thought we were on a result, didn't we? Mm-hmm. You know, ninety plus four minutes, we still see Jordi Alba sneaking in from the back of the defence and and scoring. You know, and Big Sammy scored another priceless goal in Europe for Celtic. You know, they. they and I think that's the one that Neil Lennon said that the players thought they could beat them at Celtic Park. Mm-hmm. You know, the fans, uh, the fans maybe thought that as well, you know, inwardly. And it was just one of those nights. And they knew they wouldn't have the ball and they know things have to go for them. But, you know, they, they gave a great account of themselves in, in Spain and brought them home to Glasgow. And, you know, the rest's history. It's, it's, it's what football's about. How often do I say football's for dreamers? I'll never stop dreaming. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just one. I'm just a dreamer, like you know what I mean. And I dream. I always dream that the the impossible is possible. And I think as a Celtic supporter, you you are a romantic. It's the way you're brought up. You've been brought up on impossible dreams happening, and and it, and it never leaves you. And it doesn't matter who comes to Celtic Park, regardless of who's playing in Europe as well. And I know our record's been poor in the past few years, but. You still think that you still think you're going to beat whoever's in front of you, as the song says, Barcelona, Real Madrid. Doesn't matter. You still think you're going to win, or, or you know you're you're going to compete. And uh, I think this team under Ange is capable of competing. And I think the team of 2012-13, you know, it's that was an incredible feat. It was miraculous to to beat Barcelona. That that 
that team in particular. And it just shows you what can happen when the, when the collector's right. Can you imagine the collective under Ange now? Oh. Celtic fans and the supporters embracing the Champions League under this manager. Can you imagine mm. the first home night of the Champions League? Whoever it is, I don't care who we're playing. I really don't. It's going to be, it's going to be a, a spectacle. It's going to be, you know, people enjoy theatre, opera, call it what you like. This is Sporting's equivalent of opera. It's going to be utterly unbelievable. It's it's magic. It's, it's, it is magical. It's a magical place. It just comes a light on nights like that. And see when you've got a product on the part that matches that matches the ambition of the fans and the mm-hmm. stands. It's hard to beat that at times. And that's what happened the night we beat Barcelona. Well, let's get on to that night we beat Barcelona. And before we go on to the Celtic performance, I'm just going to run through the team that took the field at Celtic Park tonight. Eh, that night, I should say. In goals, Victor Valdez. Right back, Danny Alved. Centre back, Mark Bartra and Javi Mascarano. Left back, Jordi Alba. Midfield of Javi Hernandez, Song, Iniesta. And up front, Pedro, Messi and Alexis Sanchez. And that's without even looking at the bench that had the likes of Cesc Fabregas and David Villa and uh, Gerard Piquet to come on for support. Tony, before we look at the Celtic performance, mm-hmm. I think we need to appreciate, you know, beating that Barcelona side is not like beating the Barcelona side of today. Yes, they were managed by Tito Villanova, but they had just uh, lost Pep Guardiola and his four-year managerial spell, a lot of the players that were still the same as the ones he had managed, where they had become the utterly dominant side in Europe and world football. They were being up there with the the Milan side of the 80s, the, the Real Madrid side of the 50s and 60s, the you know the the Dutch teams of the 70s as being considered one of the greatest football teams ever to play the game. Do you think we sometimes don't give ourselves enough credit for how good they were when we beat them? We missed Celtic of the sixties. Celtic of the sixties. I should have said that. I should have said that. I was trying to be. I was trying to be modest, Tony. The rip roaring, free scoring, never boring Celtic. They're <laughs> up there. Yeah, I mean that. I think we don't give ourselves a lot of credit because it's not in our DNA to do that. Because we we're we're an underdog, aren't we? Hmm. The world loves an underdog football story or sporting story, and that was the, one of the ultimate underdog football stories. You know, but Celtic history and uh, European history is premised on being the underdog. Who, as I said, they are every every generation spawns a a truly great football team. You know, you mentioned them there, Real Madrid of the fifties and sixties. You know, and Celtic became a very good. A team of the mid sixties, mid to late sixties, early seventies, you know, and and Milan were a cracking team back then mm-hmm. as well. The team they beat in the final. Then you get into the seventies, and it's like Ajax and Bayern Munich, you know, and then Liverpool as well, you know, and then Forest had that great side, late seventies, early eighties, and then you talk about Milan's as well, things like that. So every kind of generation and every kind of decade spawns a really good team. And Barcelona, well, that team under Pep, they played played football from another planet. But everybody who followed those teams that I've just mentioned would say the same thing about their team, you know. And I think you know the the Real Madrid team of you know the fifties and sixties, you know, I, I they Real Madrid seven nine track Frank for three. It's still largely regarded as the greatest ever match in club football, mm-hmm. and a lot of Scottish people saw it because it was at Hamden mesmerised by it and a lot of modern football and the tactics and the way people decide to play the game was taken on from from that magical Real Madrid side no steam. I, might be, I might be misquoted here my mammy, she'll be watching and she can write in the comments yeah. but I believe my granddad was at that game, I believe he managed to wangle his way into that game so you know, so a lot of a lot of football history has been spawned from that very match you know so it's a uh, but yeah, that, that Barcelona side were just incredible. Under Pep and then post Pep, they were still a dominant force. <laughs> Celtic beat them. <laughs> Celtic beat them with you're going to run through the team, run through the team for me. I just, yeah, well, I was about, I was about to say, listen, 
you know, we talk about being able to name the lesbian lines, being able to name this, but most of us are able to name the civil team, even though they didn't win. I mean, I would, I would be amazed if anybody could name their Celtic team. Uh, but the team that beat Barcelona in November 2012 was Forster in goal, a Grand Mariah, as he was then going on to be known. Lustig, Ambrose, Wilson and Matthews. Commons, Wanyama, Ledley, Mulgrew and a front line of Samaras and Miku. The bench was Zaluska, McCourt, Heron, Watt, Kyle, Fraser and McGeeoch. I mean, not a lot of household names amongst that, if you look at it, is there? But I mean, what's more Celtic than that, I suppose? Yeah, that's what you say. I mean, it's like, it's, you know, every now and again, Celtic give you wow moments, don't they? I mean, real mm-hmm. wow moments in history, history littered with them. And, and that was another one of them. But And then you turn around and say, did you expect it? No. Were you shocked by it? Well, no, really. Because you just sort of thought, there was something magic in the air that night in November 2012. I don't care what anybody says. It's just the, the minute you walked into that stadium and you saw the TIFO, you saw the fans, you just, you know, you, you knew you were you were witnessing something special. And, and the players fed off that. And it'll be the same this Champions League tournament for Angie's players. I mean, I, I was on the pod the other week and I spoke about Matt O'Reilly. Mm. When somebody asked him, Tanadice, you're in the Champions League. And he said, it's not enough. He said, I don't want to just play in the Champions League. I want to win matches. And I said, that was the manager talking. Yeah. Which, which is a great thing. And if you you have guys that are that, you know, tunnel vision, that and... And says they're focused laser-like. And they'll be focused laser-like on this competition now because this is a man and a team that want to actually restore some pride in Celtic's name mm-hmm. in European football because people have slagged them. Last year, not won a knockout tie in 18 years. Time to remedy that. It's time to go in into that playground and ensure that you deserve to be there. And, uh, yeah, and take us on another magical carpet ride because that's that's what the Celtic supporters crave that I've said to you before why can't they be competitive both domestically and in Europe Mm -hmm. why someone explain to me why you know they're they're, they're as big as any club that's in there yes in history maybe not financially but we know that we know that when we go in that's the beauty of the competition there there are big guns and wee guns Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. But hey, doesn't stop you from getting results, does it? Or it shouldn't? It certainly, it certainly doesn't. And I'll tell you another thing that doesn't stop you getting results is a lack of possession. I mean, I'm looking at the stats here and, and I'm glad Alan Morrison isn't on with us because I wouldn't have him taking away this joy from me. But I mean, you're talking about, according to the official UEFA website anyway, 73% possession to Barcelona to our 27, 865 completed passes compared to our 134. I mean, you don't need to, you don't need to really go much further than that to say the running was all against us but that's what made that winning goal from Tony Watt all the more beautiful and before we before we do anything else I'm just going to run through my memory of of that goal I just remember sitting I was in the Jockstein stand had a season ticket at the time and I don't know if your mind does this to you in the aftermath of something like that or if you or if you're remembering it exactly as it happened but I remember Fraser Forster kicking the ball out and I think it was Xavi went to clear it and completely sliced it 
And Mascherano was in a foot race with Tony Watt fresh off the bench. And I thought, well, there's only one person winning that. So I knew he was going to get the chance. I knew it was going to be him against Victor Valdez. And I've never experienced a feeling like it where the place just went, for all the atmosphere we've talked about at Celtic Park, the place just went silent. And the only sound you could hear was this like deafening racket of all the seats folding back as people Mm -hmm. stood up. Now, it might be exaggerated in my mind, but I can just hear this the whole way round. doesn't matter then, if it's exaggerated. <laughs> oh, my God. Then the bounce hits, and I just went, shit! <laughs> and he hit it, and I honestly don't remember about the next two minutes. We were just utter, utter elation. I've never experienced a feeling like it. I know people on this stream won't like to hear me say it, but... I've been at Celtic Rangers matches, I've been at cup finals, I've been at everything. I have never experienced anything like that goal against Barcelona for sheer elation and utter joy. I mean, what what are your memories of that moment? It's what football's about, Laura. That's mm-hmm. that. You, you support your football club for moments like that when you perform a miracle. And you, you, as you say, you... The, the, two, the two minutes of the explosion of euphoria and joy after Tony Watt scored and you jump around like a, a lunatic and you think, we're going to do this, and it sinks in. And then you're allowing yourself to think that we're going to do this, then that's the worst feeling in the world. <laughs> you start looking at your watch and think, are we going to do this? And it was the same in Seville when Henrik Larsen equalised. Yeah. One in the time, I allowed myself to think, Celtic, we're going to win the UEFA Cup. That header at the back post? Uh, uh, the, the second equaliser. Oh, the second one, right? Okay, yeah. Two each, because I thought he's anointed. He's going to score a hat trick, <laughs> and I allowed myself that moment and that thought. And during my celebrations, I should have known better. Uh, but you know, in, in those moments, you're just you're just wrapped up in it. And you know, Tony Watt's career is defined by that. And you'll not like me saying that, but it is. He's still the guy that scored the goal that beat Barcelona, and. There are worse things to be remembered for. But what I loved about it was that it was just a young guy and he took that chance, as I said mm-hmm. earlier, as if he was playing with his mates down the park. He's bearing in on Victor Valdez from a mistake by a multi-million pound defender. I think it was Mascherano that made a hash clearance of memory self, whatever it was. And, uh, and it's a pivotal moment in the game. He knows he has to score and he rattles it. <laughs> no yep. second thoughts, no even the enormity of what he's about to do. He was laser focused, like, I just need to score. I worry about celebrations after or, or whatever. And, you know, he couldn't believe it. The Celtic fans couldn't believe it. The whole stadium just did it. There is no, there are fewer better sights in world football than seeing Celtic Park erupt. And you're biased because that's the team you support. But, you know, it's. It's it's wonderful. It's just it's it's you, you live for moments like that as a football fan. It's the ones that make it all worthwhile. Was it Fergus McCann said being a, being a Celtic supporter? Uh, you know, it's sometimes it's it's hard, but it's always worthwhile. No, it's not. Yeah. Sorry, he said his quote was being a Celtic supporter not always easy, but it's always worthwhile. It was worthwhile in that moment, and hopefully, you know, Poster Coglu has his worthwhile moment in this Champions League. Uh, group stage and he will you know and he sticks around long enough he, he'll have more worthwhile moments both domestically and Europe and that's to me is what it's all about Do you know there's, there's a there's a there's a bit of me that, that went through a bit of a lull for a couple of years after that and, and it's not to get too deep into this but there was a bit of me that seriously thought I don't know what else I can get out of being a Celtic supporter because I don't know any moment that will top that and still I haven't had one. But I think what I've come to realise is that you enjoy each of these individual moments as much in the individual moment. Okay, I always go back to the Barcelona one and talk about that being an amazing night. But like when Rogic scored in the cup final to beat Aberdeen to get as our treble or basically any time we score a late winner against Rangers or anything like that, that individual moment is as good as anything you feel as a Celtic supporter and I absolutely loved it. But I want to talk to you a bit about Tony Watt because, I mean, I did have concerns the immediate night after that he wasn't going to do anything to top 
what he did that night. But I think as time's gone on, I've thought to myself, and it comes back to the comment you've made a, a lot of times about Tom, Tom Rogic of you couldn't compile his best matches, but you could compile his best moments. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say to Sony Watt if he was watching this, you know, there's a lot of players who had a lot more fantastic matches in a Celtic shirt than he did, but there'll be very few who'll be remembered as clearly in people's minds as he will, even if it is just for one single solitary moment in his Celtic career. How do you top a moment like that, though? He, You know, he, he, he never was going to top a moment like that. And it's wonderful for Tony Watt that he has had that moment and that he's carved a successful enough career after leaving Celtic. You know, he's had his... He's had his ups, he's had his downs, but it's still, it's still brilliant to see him playing the game. And I think every Celtic supporter just wishes him all the best for for having that moment and being there and sharing it with him. And he'll always have a place in the Celtic supporters' hearts and minds for doing that alone. And, it, it, you know, you wish him every success because it's hard. It was hard for a young guy like Tony Watt to kind of comprehend the magnitude of, of that at such a young age. Mm. You know, and, and, and such a career-defining goal where everything he does in football probably pales into insignificance. I think to I think to be fair to him as well, if he if he was anything that like that like I was, and I'm sure he was that plus a million times more, the adrenaline he was feeling, it would almost be unfair to hold him to what he said in the post match interview of I don't want this to be the moment that defines my career, I want to achieve more. Because in that moment he probably did feel unbeatable, he probably felt like he could go on and conquer the world, so why wouldn't he say that? You always want to it wasn't likely. More. Yeah, you always want to achieve more, of course mm. you do you know, you've said there, you know you've never had a moment to top that I still, as I told you earlier, I, I'm the eternal optimist and dreamer, I still believe that Celtic will get to a European final but I've always said if somebody was to say to me tomorrow you know, you'll get to a European final but you'd lose I know what I'd tell them to stick it. <laughs> I'd, ha- I'd, ha- I'd have to have a crystal ball and be told that they're going to win. You know, because I, I just... I think, our, I think our rivals across the city are fresh in that feeling at the moment and will we'll probably agree with you, I would say. Of course, yeah, you know. and uh, But do I want to get there? Of course I want to get there. And I want yeah. to win. You're striving to emulate the greats of the past. And I... I will always believe, regardless of what Celtic team takes to the field, that they're capable of getting to a European final. Might be naive in that, but I don't care. It's a, it's a, it's a romantic anime, it's the dreamer, it's the, you know, call it what you like, but I, I think a lot of Celtic supporters feel the same way. Every season, you know, you, you think, this is, this is our year, it's going to be our year or, or whatever. And regardless, if you, if you look at the team, you think, Half of it's my bet, isn't it? But it doesn't deter you because you you have to set those goals and those ambitions. I'll, I'll let you into a wee secret, Tony. Yeah. Every year without fail, no matter how bad we are, no matter who we've got in our group, no matter how much I'm not feeling the way Celtic are playing, I always have a wee look at the beginning of the season. Where's the final? What date is it? Would I be able to get there if we were there? Every yeah. year. Did somebody put up, I don't know if it's true, is it is a final in Dublin next year? I think it might be, yeah. Yeah. Just right. just leave that just leave that there, Tony. I'll leave that hanging there, but yeah, I, I you know, again people say, Ah, you're dreaming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm always dreaming. It's just like it's just in my it's in my nature. It's just the way I am as a Celtic supporter. Well, Jonathan Brown says if we played Barcelona team in 2012 under Ange, we'd have been a different result. We'd probably have been smashed 6-2. Probably, but it wouldn't have been any less enjoyable. And to come on to the point you're talking about, Tony, I think if there's one positive for Celtic supporters, and there aren't a lot, but if there's one positive to take out of the fact Rangers made the Europa League final this season, it's that never again can the board say with any seriousness or any cre- credibility that a European final is beyond Scottish football clubs because it absolutely is not. The one thing I would say in, a, in agreement with Paul Byrne uh, here is Ange's ambitions for the Champions League must be matched by the board's financial backing. Historically, they never build from a position of strength. 
we're in a position of strength, Tony. We've not got qualifiers where we need to have makeshift defences and, and play games before we have signings. Do you think that, if anything, is the thing that will hold us in good stead, best stead when the when the group stages kick off in September, the fact that we are hopefully going to be so settled going into that phase of the season? Listen to you and I, we've set a high bar, Laura. <laughs> and that's nothing compared to the bar the manager will set. And if the board members are looking on, they'll see a manager who's setting a high bar. He won't be content till he takes Celtic to a European final if he, if he sticks around for long enough. That's what he wants to do. So you have to match that ambition. And now Celtic are in a position of strength. They have to buck the trend of recent years by simply trying to go for domestic dominance and not doing well in the European arena. It, it's that unacceptable. And I don't think Ange Postacoglu will accept that. He doesn't want that for this Celtic team. His Celtic team, the biggest thing and challenge for him now is to make an impact in Europe. And with the backing of the board, you you trust the manager to help us do that. And you, you are excited about it. And yeah, uh, that excuse of Scottish clubs can't compete or you know, won't reach a European final. It doesn't wash. It doesn't wash with Celtic supporters. It never really has. And, uh, yeah, Rangers showed that it's possible. And, yeah, I think that uh, Celtic should set their bar just as high and aim for that. Why Why not? I'm fed up saying it. Uh, Celtic can compete both domestically and in Europe. And you aim to get as far as you can in European competition. Because, as Martin O'Neill famously said, that's the benchmark. Well, looking at this, I mean, obviously we looked at the 2012-13 season before and we got to the last 16 at that point. Um, Hopefully that's something we can achieve this season. But Underwater Cabbage Salesman brings up an interesting point. He says, Champions League final is not in Dublin this year, it's in Turkey. But interestingly, the Europa League final is in Hungary at the Pushkas Stadium. Yes. Now, talk, now, talking, Tony, about things being written in the stars, we may not get the last 16, but hear me out. Ange, in the shadow of his greatest mentor in yeah. the man's home country, leading Celtic out. I mean, how much, how much do you think it means to Ange? I'm aware that we've been victim to managers in the past who have all the all the right sayings, birthday card blank, as one might put it, to be family friendly. Um, but I, th- I feel like I believe Ange when he says it about having worked all his life to be at a club like this, to be at a club where he's so appreciated. I might be wrong in saying this and tell me if I am, but I truly believe that he values a place in the history of a club like Celtic that he could get from leading us on to proper glory over the opportunity to manage a Midland Premier League club. I might be made to look very silly in years to come, but what do you make of that as a statement? It's why he's here. It's why he's here. And he said it himself when asked about contracts and stuff, and he said, I don't care about contracts, they'll take care of themselves. And he's a football man, first and foremost. Well, you've, you've got three priorities in life, football, football and football, and that order. And... Uh, I don't think he'll be interested in terms of of money. Uh, it's just not the way he works. And uh, he said that himself. And he, he reckons he's with a, a massive club that could make a serious impact in, in European football. And that's what he craves to do. That's what he's always wanted to do. And, uh, yeah, you talk about dreaming. I'd rather, I would want Celtic to get to the knockout stages of the Champions League. They got to the Europa League. I think Angel will be having his eyes on the final in, in Hungary in front of his mentor you know that all those scenarios will be playing in his head and uh, you can bet your bottom dollar it'll not be through the lack of trying but Celtic will I think Celtic will have an assault on Europe this year not just compete they'll have an assault on it because it's what the manager will demand from his players and I think the players are now they've, they've realised that they can win and they can yeah they can compete, certainly domestically. And uh, with a few additions, I think they'll find that the brand and style of football might be tweaked a bit. 
to compete in Europe, but it's a it's an, a wonderful prospect. But I agree with you totally. I think Angie's here for that. He wants to carve an indelible mark in Celtic's history. What better way to do that than to try? Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. And, and get them to the levels that he feels a club of Celtic stature should be at. Mm, and I think uh, I think uh, you and I are safe in the knowledge we've got a bed for the night if it ends up in Budapest with our very own Kevin <laughs> McCluskey. Kevin McCluskey, if you're out there, I'm coming in... May 2023 for a visit. <laughs> I'm sure of it. But, uh, well, listen, you and I, Tony, are as, as good for each other as we are bad for each other because in the last 40 minutes, we've managed to talk ourselves into a position where we're definitely making at least one of the finals, if not winning it. <laughs> but this is this is what being a Celtic supporter is. This is what, what it is. Like you say, it's about dreaming about the future and what can be. And I don't think, you know, sometimes... Even as big a football fan as I am, I sometimes look at the end of the season and I think it'll be nice to get a wee break from the football to to just recharge the batteries and go into next season. I don't think I've ever been as itching for the start of a new season as I am this year. I'm absolutely dying for August to come around. And that was all on the back of last season. You remember last close season we were at the lowest possible ebb, arguably the lowest possible ebb in in the club's history, everything just seemed forlorn, and you know they, there wasn't any hope. I mean, the Eddie Howe debacle played out, and then Ange arrives, and, and you're thinking, just do something, but guy, you know, just 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 help us, you know, make a fist of this title. <laughs> Not only that, they go and win, <laughs> go and win the thing. Marvelous, you know, and playing a brand of football that, as he said from day one. Get you off seats, you know, the mic'd up session, get it into your head, we never stop. It wasn't the empty rhetoric, it's actually what played out. And the Celtic supporters are like, wow, he was true to his word. The players were true to their word, they, they bought into it, and he, he talks about the buy in. You know, managers can come in and spout their philosophy, and it's, it's all empty promises and empty words. There's nothing that he said has not come true. You know, he, he told you, I'm preparing my team to peak at the business end of the season when the trophies are handed out, you know, they're a, an own goal, you know, are a, are a shot off the bar away from a chance to compete for a domestic treble. This is why he's rebuilding this team. Not mm-hmm. a team that's come into that he's inherited X amount of players or, you know, he's not inherited a Larson or a Lubo or a Lambert. You know, he inherited a, a Callum McGregor and a, a Greg Taylor and a few others. You know, he's rebuilt this football club. Mm-hmm. And, but in, you know, from from scratch, really, because he had to start all over again. And it was a title that people just wrote us off, said it was impossible to win. Kept telling you, right? And then they dropped, what, 11 points in their first seven seven matches? So you're behind the eight ball. Yeah. You know, personally, and for a club like Celtic, you're thinking, oh, oh wow, an impossible task has just become even more, you know, even more difficult. No, didn't didn't waver, didn't buckle, and just you know, just giving you your pride back and your football club, and you know, as you say, the start of the new season can't come quick enough because you're desperate to see what Celtic can achieve under his management, and it's it's testament to him. And uh, you you're thinking, you, when I was a kid growing up, the summer seemed to last forever. You know, and you had like the cricket season and the tennis season, and sometimes there was an Olympic year and it was the athletics, and, and you thought it was like weeks of torture, you know. <laughs> and now the close season's only that that long, 
we're still going to be weeks of torture without, without the football. And you're desperate for it to come back and you're desperate to see who the manager brings in because you trust them implicitly. You trust his judgment. You trust this team, this group of players. That they've put, do you know what they've done? They've just put a smile back in your face. They've, they've just brought you... I was asked to sum up the season in one word and I said it was joyous. There's few few feelings in life that can top being joyous. And you just hope that that continues and you don't see any reason why it can't continue, both domestically and in Europe. And, yeah, I'll refer you to the, the right honourable lady to the comment I made some moments ago. Uh, you're just dreaming now. Yeah, and the, you've got to dream, haven't you? You just you, you dream big. Yeah. Big. Jamie Young is telling us to chill. And I think we have been getting ourselves a bit a bit hit up, but this is this is what it's here for. Um, the the thing I would like to ask you, Tony, and just to close out the the show, we've talked about the future and the excitement of it and what it holds for us. But looking back on this season, I mean, I've I've given it a lot of thought since we officially wrapped up the league, and I have to say that I think compared to where I was at the start of this season and my expectations for the season. It's maybe the most satisfying league victory for me since we stopped Rangers doing the 10 in 98. Is that too big a statement, do you think? Is it having too much significance placed on it or do you think it really has been a turning point for us in terms of where we can see the club going for the future? I think every Celtic supporter will have their moments in terms of title wins. It's certainly one of the sweetest. Mm. Whether it ranks as the best is, is personal preference, you know, because people of my dad's age and just slightly younger as well, but uh, they can still remember 10 men won the league in 79 and various things like that. Uh, so you know, a lot of people tell you that was one of the best or arguably the best. So uh, these are these debates are all, are all relative to... The person that's telling you, but I, you know, and I will want to make. I'm not saying they'll make a European final. I'm just saying in my lifetime, I'm still hopeful that they can do it. And we've got a manager who is targeting that. And I just don't think there's anything wrong with having big ambitions. Uh, whether we do or we don't, it's we'll, we'll soon find out. But still, it's still my my uh, optimistic dream that they can do it. That's the point I'm making. And yeah. People want you to chill thing, but I'm not saying we'll get to a Champions League final or Europa League final. I'm just hoping more than anything dreaming that we'll do that. But in terms of the title, I, I just I just think from the starting point, Laura, from where Celtic came from, that it's it's a memorable one, isn't it? Mm. Same way as stopping the ten was memorable, same way as Martin O'Neill's treble first season was memorable, Brendan Rogers Invincibles. I'm saying then taking it back to Ten men won the league seventy nine, Love Street eighty six. So it depends what vintage you are. You you have your own title, or favourite title win for various for various reasons. But it's certainly up there with. I, I just think the the manager coming from a you know from afar and inheriting the shambles that he did and turning it all around within ten months is. You know, it's it's so he's just performed a wonderful job, and you know, Celtic supporters are just so so happy with him. You yes. know, some some were initially sceptical, I include myself in that. But he's won everybody, he's won everybody over because of who he is, his style of management, and just the the style of football that he's got the team playing. You know, and and everybody, every Celtic supporter right now is just <coughs> excuse me, they're purring with excitement. So why, why would they not? Yeah. Pete McGee makes that exact point on YouTube says I've never been so excited about new season than I am the upcoming one and that's all down to Ange um, you yourself there Laura as well that you can't be you know so I see these few weeks will be will be tortured but you know you bet your bottom dollar the manager says we never stop so he'll still be working away and doing stuff for the benefit of the club so that that's that's wonderful yep um the big boss man, Paul, in the background telling everybody, give the video a like on YouTube, please. Please remember to do that or me and Tony will be for the Oscar, I'm sure. 
I hope you did like it today. Um, um, it's been it's been a fantastic one. I think the only thing I'm 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 starting to um think about in terms of planning for next season is you know where we need to strengthen, what we need to do to to take us to the next level. And just talked about that in his post match after we won the league and in any interviews he's done since then about the fact that we need to raise the quality. And I think what's exciting for me is I'm already very happy with the quality of this team for the most part and the idea that some of those would then become second choice based on the quality that he brings in just makes me even more excited Um, where for you is the most important areas that we need to look at for strengthening for next season given that as we've talked about ad nauseum we want to to challenge on all fronts left back for start yes Need a midfield enforcer, yeah, and yep. we might need another centre back, and I would say we still need another forward. I would be looking to hopefully the manager add four or five players in the mm-hmm. summer, Laura. That's that's my wish, whether I know that he does that or not. But I've spoken about this before. The I don't want Jersey fellas. They have to be ready to come in and be better than what we have. And as you say, I'm very happy with the team at the minute, but if you're bringing in players that are better than what we have, hey, you know, no surprise then, if you bring in good players, you're going to have a good team. Yes. So And good people that will fit into the system as well. And he said he doesn't just sign good players, he signs good people. People that fit into the harmony, or that harmonious dressing room, because there seems to be a lot of harmony there. So you need to bring the right type of players in. But uh I think I left back as much as I've loved Greg Taylor this season and I think he's confounded a lot of people with his attitude and his application and his effort. Can we improve in Greg Taylor? Yeah, we can. So go and get that improvement and, and make that position solid. Can we get a, a midfield enforcer? And and by that I mean in the Scott Brown mould, Stoke Victor Wanyama mould. Still think we need a bit of physicality and a bit of height there to go toe-to-toe with someone like John Lundstrom who maybe likes to put it about a bit. So get somebody in there that can combat that kind of thing. Maybe let McGregor go further forward, things like that. Another centre-back because you could still be looking at bringing in somebody else if Carter Vickers doesn't sign. still think he's pivotal to Celtic moving forward that we get him to uh, sign an extended deal. Uh, And Christopher Julian who comments the other day, you know, and and I, and I get that, that it's an unhappy player because he's not played, but just the timing of them are a bit, you know. But I, yes. guess, I guess he's he's entitled to his opinion. If he's fit and he wants to play, then he's, he's happy. But I'm just talking about in terms of the harmony there. I don't know how the manager will view that. You just don't want players, you know, disrupting that happiness that seems to be pervading the dressing room. And another forward, I just think you can't get enough goal scorers in your team. We've got two cracking goal scorers in Giacomacchus and uh, Kyogo, but uh, I still think that another one doesn't go amiss. And I like to that, you, you might lose Jota, you don't know. So a yeah. forward thinking player to contribute to the goals and assists front would, would be that. That's, that's in my head, my ideal scenario. I would never tell the manager who to buy or what positions because he knows more than me. So a lot more than me, but off the top of my head, that's where I would see us. Who do we think we are, Tony? Podcasters or something? I don't know. Um, but I, I, I couldn't disagree with any of your points. I think we just need to... I think, like you say, Greg Taylor is fantastic, has been a fantastic servant for us so far and I think has more than enough ability to give us that that surety in defence for at least the domestic scene. Yeah. But I think in Europe, we need to up the, the scale there. And like you say, um, with the loss of Beton and Rogic, we need to strengthen the midfield and you can never do any harm with another goal scorer. So that'll be the next thing we'll be looking out for is uh, any chance of signings because I think if Ange is anything to go by, they will be done swiftly and they will be done um, as soon as possible. Um, and I think that's something that I hope happens so he's got time to yeah. to get them them gelled into the squad. I think he'll know who he wants to bring in. Mm-hmm. I think he'll, he'll, but a lot will depend on the 
the Jota and Cameron Carter Vickers deals too, because if none of them come to fruition, then he might have his eyes set elsewhere or plan B's, as they say, he might have to do a wee bit of rethinking on that or back to the drawing board. But I'm sure he's planned for all eventualities. He's, he strikes me as that kind of guy because he never stops, so he says. So. Well, he never stops. I believe he's on a he's on a well-earned break at the moment, but we can't envy him that. Hopefully when he does start again, he will never stop. Speaking of which, we will never stop throughout the summer. Um, Axon will continue going. You'll continue seeing our faces in some form or another. Mm. Um, but unfortunately for me, Tony, not for the next three weeks because oh, well. COVID pending, because obviously I've booked to go to one of the only countries that still does COVID tests. I will be heading abroad this week, so or next week, I should say. Uh, and so I'll be off the podcast for a few weeks and be back re- ready and raring to go three weeks closer to the new season. So until then, um, thank you very much, Tony, for joining us. Um, and I'll just leave us with this uh, comment from Gerald Coyle. Your life goes nowhere when you're addicted to Celtic podcasts. I'm off. So thank you to everybody for joining us today and we'll see you again very, very soon. Message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's E-A-S-Y to 203203. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with cox cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5g home internet cox is the real home internet you're looking for based on cox analysis of ookla speed test intelligence data q3 2022 and cox serviceable areas visit cox.com internet for details Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Network.